I hate Teams and Microsoft so much that I wouldn't switch. How about you? Right. I'm yeah. <laughs> right now. And, and, and honestly, I can't wait, though, to see where else they start putting it into their infrastructure because that may end up allowing me, causing me to switch, right? Like if all of a sudden Bing becomes accessible, like I hate Bing. I can't stand I can using yeah. Bing. Yeah. The responses are just garbage. But now all of a sudden, if it saves me from choosing between, hey, do I use a search engine or do I use ChatGPT? Or oh, wait, I can do both at the same time. Maybe it might be enticing enough for me to switch. Welcome to another episode of Dental Rift. I'm your host, Gary Bird. I am the CEO of SMC National, where we help you have predictable new patient flow for your offices so you can achieve your visions of growth. Hi, I'm Tanner Applegate, CEO and founder of Unified Dental. We are a software solution that makes it super simple to have a million different solutions. Ooh, that's a that's a new one. I love I love every time you're leveling those up. All right, so today we got a, some really interesting topics. Number one, you have some uh, some things to talk about an event that we recently went to that was really cool. I thought it was is very unique and what the industry definitely needs. So we'll go over that and then. But first, I wanted to, the first topic I wanted to jump into is um, I wanted to talk about Chat GPT and Teams. Um, so I saw a video in Google. So I saw a video yesterday and it was a, it was a TikTok, and they were showing the new teams feature, which is Microsoft's, um, product. And it was integrated with chat GPT. And what it basically did was it recorded all of your meetings, any tasks that were from those meetings is automatically with chat GPT pulled from your meetings any notes are they're all documented they're all split by person and any other meetings or follow-up meetings that need to be scheduled are all worked in there automatically so it's everything is done automatically just by you having a meeting so if we're recording this right now we're on teams it's taking notes taking tasks taking meetings and and putting that all together for us so we don't have to have a human doing it which i think is fascinating that's awesome. I, I know that type of technology has existed for a while, but to finally get it built in default, that's awesome. I mean, it, 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 and the other stuff too, I mean, I don't know if you've ever used those like note takers and such, yeah. like they're good, but you almost kind of have to act in a different way in order for them to get the most out of it. Right. So exactly. if this takes the uh, quality of chat GPT and just makes it a lot more human. I mean, I'm all for that. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, the thing is, is I hate Teams and Microsoft so much that I wouldn't switch. How about you? Right. I'm <laughs> right now. And, and and honestly, I can't wait, though, to see where else they start putting it into their infrastructure, because that may end up allowing me, causing me to switch, right? Like if all of a sudden Bing becomes accessible, like I hate Bing. I can't stand I using yeah. Bing. Yeah. The responses are just garbage. But now all of a sudden, if it saves me from choosing between, hey, do I use a search engine or do I use chat GPT or oh, wait, I can do both at the same time. Maybe it might be enticing enough for me to switch. Yeah, I agree. If, if they figure that out first, and, and you're right, there are lots of options like this out there, but you do have to manipulate with them and play with them and those kind of things. So it, it, is, a, it, it is a big difference. Now, the next version or not the next version, Google's rolling out their AI sooner now. They had actually a red alert at Google because they've noticed that their traffic is dipping and they're, they're realizing that the revenue streams are in, in, in jeopardy, uh, which is uh, most of the revenue comes from search, which drives to ads. And so they are 
coming rolling out all their stuff. Now, here's what they said. They said, we've had stuff like ChatGPT and we've had stuff like like uh, all these imagery uh, platforms where you can make uh, images uh, like mid-journey. But we haven't rolled it out yet because they're not safe yet because it does give you inaccurate information still. And so that's their reason for not rolling it out. At least that's what they're telling everybody. And they said, but we're going to bypass all those concerns because the business side is more important to us. And then what's interesting to me is ChatGPT started the same way. So when they initially started their company, they said, AI is too powerful to put in the hands of a corporation. So we're going to be a nonprofit. And then Microsoft came in and gave them a billion dollars. And they're like, oh, never mind. And they kind of changed their tune. And then Microsoft obviously invested another $10 million. But what's fascinating to me is both companies started with the tune of, it's not safe. We can't release it. It doesn't work. And now that there's a competition, now they're all changing their story or at least keeping their story and kind of moving forward uh, blindly with, with, without concerns like they had before. Yeah, I think the difference, though, the reason why and even where they get the open AI name is that you can go in and they're pretty forward facing with how they train their algorithm, right? That's the whole open aspect behind it. And I think that where they're... Um, I guess like personal reasons why they wanted to make it open and not behind that corporate is because the corporate corporations, they were afraid that they were going to skew the training algorithm and they weren't going to be open about how they did it. And so therefore the transparency behind what is beneficial or not beneficial on how we build this algorithm was the reason truly why they went with this open model, right? It's not that they, didn't want to go in and make money off of it. I think they always intentionally had that money-making aspect, but it was the fact that they wanted to be transparent and here's how we are training this model. Mm. And that is different than the previous models of like what Google said, hey, yeah, we do this, but you could never go in and find out how did they train their model? Why Mm -hmm. did they do it? I'm interested to see with Google's, if A, they release that level of transparency in competition, right? I think that the heavy in-depth people want to know that kind of stuff and so i think that will make a difference but honestly i'm interested in the interaction between the search google search right and their indexing power to be able to go in and rank or train their model differently because i think that their model will be able to potentially become a very elite algorithm compared to open ai just because they have the benefit of their historical like algorithm of how they index. Yeah, they have a lot more data, right? And they have a lot more information to work with. Well, they have a lot more. I don't I, I imagine that they have the same indexing power as Microsoft. But what's different is the fact that they have it in a way that consumers like it, right? Like what we just said, when we go and look at the search results of Microsoft compared to Google, we like Google's search results more than Microsoft's. And so that algorithm is starting to understand, okay, here's what our consumers like. And I think plugging that into the GPT model will make a big difference. Mm. Yeah, that's very so It's not that they have any more data. It's about how they understand what consumers want from that data and yeah. present it to them differently. I totally, I get, I get what you're saying there. Do you, do you think that this is going, well, uh, for, let me ask you this. You're doing an event I saw online soon that you're going to be teaching people how to use chat GPT. What, what exactly is that? What are you guys doing? Yeah, we got a webinar coming up this Friday uh, with Rev Tribes, and we're, we're really starting kind of basic one-on-one, right? I think a lot of people are starting to hear the buzzword of 
chat GPT enough that they're getting interested. So we're really starting kind of, hey, if you are interested at all in using chat GPT or kind of understanding what this whole vibe is about, jump on. Um, it will be an online webinar. We can, uh, and by the time that this is probably actually released, it'll probably already be out. So you can go in and look at the historical data. You'll probably be able to find that on my LinkedIn um, account. Oh, so you guys well. are going to share it. You're going to record it and share it afterwards. It'll be live. It'll okay. be live. Yeah. And we'll share it afterwards awesome. as well. Awesome. Okay, cool. Let's, um, do you, what do you want to go over next? What, what do you want to go over the job posting or, um, or you had another topic that you wanted to discuss? Yeah. I, I mean, one, one of the things we were chatting about last year, I mean, last week that was interesting to me, was just kind of these, this economic financial data of salaries in dental. Um, real quick, one that really stood out to me that I'm interested to get your input is they went through and mapped out kind of like the average salaries by years of experience by position. And in uh, the hygienist sector specifically, if you were 10 to 19 years is when you maxed out. If you were 20 to 30 plus years, you actually started making less, right? Well, so there was this kind is? of curve where it went up and then went back down. I just thought that was fascinating. I think it's because if you're at a, if you're at the point where you're working 20, 30 years, you're probably getting to the point where you're staying consistently in a job. And you stop negotiating mm. your salary. Yeah. Right. And I thought that was kind of a sad thing. And I've heard that before in the industry, but I'm curious your take on it, right? Should the pay be based off of what you fight to get? Or it should someone's pay be based off of experience and kind of tenure or other outcomes? What are your thoughts on how you pay people? Yeah, I, I mean, it's always tricky, right? Because things change. So you have these situations where like something like ChatGPT comes out, all of a sudden that changes everything on negotiations of people who are copywriters or people who are um, doing those kind of things, right? So it's 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 not static. It's I, I can't give you an answer for one um, for everybody because things are constantly changing. I do know that I, I look at it as. There are times where there's supply and it's a supply and demand issue. So there's times where there was times there where hygienists were just so in demand and there wasn't enough of them and a lot of them left and that caused their salaries to artificially uh, inflate or not artificially, but it was supply and demand. And they were just like, hey, we're going to get another job if you don't give me a raise. So people just kept giving raises, giving raises, giving raises. But then what's going to happen is the salaries are going to look really appealing. People are going to go to school, become hygienists, and then there's going to be more hygienists and that's going to lower the salaries. At least that's what's happened before. Uh, I had I had someone on my podcast that said in the 80s, they they uh, we went through something very similar to this. So um, I do think that th- that skill and length of time is really important uh, from from giving people raises though. So if you're if you take the things I just said out, what is the person's skill set? What are they bringing? Are they are they you know culture fit? Are they providing value or all those kind of things? And then how how long they've been with you? Because the longer someone's with you, the faster you can move together. I believe so. The people that I love working with most have time under their belt with me, and they know what I'm thinking, how I'm thinking it before um, beforehand. Um, so that's that's how I that's how I look at it. Yeah, I think though that's interesting. You're you're company perspective of always changing right a dental office to a lot of degree like sometimes you don't always want those a players pushing to the next level like the b players are actually the consistent ones Mm -hmm. that you want to keep right and so i agree in positions like a hygienist length of tenure is a big deal as long as they're still kind of 
getting you the outcomes that you need, right? Happy patients, you're getting kind of the production goals out of what you need with them, et cetera. They're efficient in their time. All of those things met, I think that length of time, they do continue to get a pay increase. And so to see that those weren't, they were getting paid less, it was fascinating to me. And, and, and I think that personally, something that I wouldn't agree with, right? I think that just because you've been with someone for a long time and you don't push for that pay raise, doesn't justify the fact that you should be making less, right? Oh, I really do think yeah. that Wait, the longer do you, they're... Do you, think, do you think that they're, those are offices? Do you think, and I know the study probably doesn't say this, but I just get curious on your thought. Do you think those are like small offices where the hygienist has just been working there forever as well as the other three people that work at that office and they've just all kind of worked in that little office together for the last 30 years and there just hasn't been a ton of raises for everybody? Or do you think it's like the hygienist specifically is just like we're just not going to give hygienist raises because i would think that that would kind of be self-sabotaging if you didn't give the the them a um a raise because then you'd go out and have to pay somebody else a lot more because the cost of hygienists are going up yeah when we went through and we started doing office not started when we were doing office acquisitions we would buy these offices where the doctor had been on autopilot for a long time and all of these offices, these team members had not received raises in years, five years, 10 years plus. And I think that they just get into the habit of living the way that they're living that it doesn't change. And so it's keep the status quo. And so we would come in and we'd give an immediate raise and they'd love us. And but then also we'd start asking them to do things that were outside of their norm. And some people just wouldn't take it. They wanted that consistency of like, what is the norm? So we do, we do every six months, we do a review. Everybody gets reviewed in the company. And then based off of that review, they, there's a percentage of raise that everybody can get. So, and that happens twice a year. So there's two years. And depending on where you fall on the review, it, it will impact the percentage of review. So every year, you have an opportunity to get two raises. That's, that's how we look. That's how we do it. Interesting. Yeah. And, and you're, like I said, your guys' company is dynamic enough where you're changing a lot. I think that you're getting to the point where you will have positions, I'm sure, that don't change. And I'll be interested to see kind of what is what is the longevity of those positions. Are people constantly wanting to grow into other roles, which you can do within your organization, right? But a hygienist can't grow into the role of a dental that's, that's, dentist that's the just by being part. there for a while. Yeah, that's the tricky part is like, that's what I've heard from a lot of hygienists is that there's there's a roof. And once you reach that roof, no matter how good you are, you know that you're stuck in it. And you might have 20 years of left in your tank, to, but you're just like, I want to keep getting better. And there is no better from there. And that's, I think that's the frustration that that like, I don't know if entrepreneur is the right word, but just driven people who want to keep leveling up, there's, that's the, the, the cap that it puts on you. I think that's why you see a lot of hygienists that move to like coaching or, you know, different, different programs. Yeah. yeah, things outside of the practice. Um, so that's I, and, and I, if you look at this, it's the same for dentists too, right? I'm licensed. I can only do a finite amount of things, right? I can keep going and learning these different skill sets, but eventually I cap out on what I can do clinically chairside. That that's why you see a lot of these dentists turning into okay, well, I want to be a business owner more instead. Yeah. Right? So now I'm going to open up multiple locations, and a hygienist can't do that i mean they they could do that right through the dso model you can yeah. buy into the dso and they that. i think you're starting to see that more but yes it's not as cleanly like articulated as it is for like a dentist got it yeah i agree with that um 
Alrighty. Anything else, man? Nope. I think that's it, man. Good stuff. All right. We'll talk to you later. Peace.